Steve Strickland in with us this morning. Steve Strickland, thanks for your time this morning. Hey, thanks for having me. What, what went into that decision, by the way? And it was a, a calculation on your part to some extent. Uh, am I a Republican? I'm going to run as a Republican, as an independent. It's a nonpartisan election. So, I mean, how much did you put into that decision, and why did you ultimately land where you did? Yeah, ultimately, when I evaluated the uh, landscape in District 119, uh, two uh, very well-known uh, individuals uh, came out, uh, decided that uh, they were going to run as a Republican right off the bat. Uh, it was really twofold in my decision not to uh, call a Republican uh, run immediately. Uh, the first being that uh, I wanted to have an open dialogue with members of the community. Um, you know, second, uh, I wanted to evaluate uh, you know, what it meant to be a nonpartisan uh, candidate uh, as we move through the special election cycle and better understanding the election laws. Um, for me, uh, if you go back and, and look at my voting record, I'm not sure if you have or haven't. I have not. Um, I've, I've voted along Republican lines my mm-hmm. entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is uh, uh, still a relatively young life, but long yeah. enough to have gone into business. For example, what kind of business? Uh, so I'm, I'm in the telecommunications and technology sector. Um, okay. I have 17 years of experience, started my career with AT&T in a management development program. Um, I have worked uh, from technology startups to Fortune 500 companies, including uh, AT&T and NCR. Um, so from the perspective of my ability to grasp uh, technology, law, and business, I feel that uh, – uh, I bring a, a strong set of attributes uh, to the state house. Well, why does that matter? Why does it matter? Sure. Well, we're on a uh, convergence. If you, if you probably uh, is probably are aware, uh, on a convergence of uh, people, machines, and that being transparent in our everyday lives. Um, if you look at legislation that's passed, even recently with autonomous vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the fact that there's billions of connected sensors uh, that are coming online that impact automation and, and uh, waste management, transportation, energy efficiency. Um, you need people that are going to uh, grasp the, uh, the overall impact, not just of our uh, society, but of personal autonomy, right? And um, to understand that, I believe you need to have an individual that is uh, uh, in um, legislative roles, um, that have a, uh, a nice blend of both technology uh, and law in their background. You know, it's interesting, yeah. as Stephen Strickland bringing in, that's an interesting point you bring up there in your run for the state house. I and mean, this is not a shot at anybody who's in the legislature now. It's not a shot at Georgia. I'm guessing if we went all over the country and, and looked at, at legislative bodies all over the country, we're not finding a lot of people who are qualified to talk about the sorts of laws you're talking about, uh, the sorts of legislation that might be needed. And we're certainly probably not finding much by way of legislation already on the books. I mean, we're we're at the dawn of that era, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. If you look at uh, even the Science and Technology Committee within the State House, uh, right now uh, they're in the process of formulating a, a data privacy uh, think tank or uh, organization to focus on um, laws at the state level as, as we move into 2018 and beyond. Um, in the meantime, I mean, that, Equifax has already happened. Yeah, exactly. But but you, you also have to walk a fine line between um, international, federal, and, and state mm-hmm. law when it comes to data privacy issues. Sure. Um, but, you know, we have also uh, factors around uh, education and transportation. We need a m- more mobile workforce, uh, better infrastructure in our transportation. If you look at, for example, uh, the GDOT, uh, 
you know, they're lit uh, from a from a fiber and redundancy perspective across Metro Atlanta. But once you get outside mm-hmm. of Metro Atlanta, it's dark. We also have the challenge with the uh, mobile operators and broadband providers that they can't get out to rural communities. And I believe that our education in those rural uh, communities suffers. And as some of those that. right around the corner from us. I mean, we sit here in Athens and certainly Atlanta, and we're in reasonably good shape. Drive it to Franklin County. Drive it to Livonia. And, and they're just they're begging for some way to access the Internet up there. Absolutely. And and that, that goes back to, to driving uh, broadband through public-private partnerships, uh, you know, not being involved in wasteful spending. But you know, I think with, with that, if you listen to Speaker Ralston and other uh, prominent members of, of the House and Senate, that's going to be a key initiative for them in, in 2018 is improving broadband and being able to deliver uh, Wi-Fi and, and connectivity to uh, students and residents in, in these rural communities. And you have to also do that if you look at House Bill 199, for example. Uh, they did a really good job at incentivizing uh, incentivizing the film and post-production uh, market or the industry. The tax credits, the tax, the tax credits. So 5% for uh, rural or underserved mm-hmm. communities. But uh, if, if you don't have mobile transportation, multimodal transportation, if, if you don't have access to broadband, um, how are you going to really entice uh, the film industry to uh, take the risk and, and, and set up shop in these rural communities? And that's what, at the end of the day, because the state is really push education, those, those expenses down to the local level, you need to drive more revenues into those markets. And I think you can do that with a, a number of uh, factors, Variables, uh, you know, such as driving new revenues through uh, P3s, public-private partnerships, and making things easier from a regulatory and permitting standpoint for companies like AT&T, Verizon, the broadband providers such as Cox, to get through the process of proving and deploying infrastructure in those markets to support the new technologies coming online. Well, Stephen Strickland, mm-hmm. candidate for a seat in the Georgia legislature. Uh, some of the other things that I know as a member of the legislature, the, the General Assembly coming up, uh, whoever goes up, they're going to have to deal with things like, oh, I don't know, the budget. You're talking about different ways to allocate resources, what you do when you budget. Uh, some of the things you are prioritizing, uh, where do you find the money for those things? And then how much money are we talking about? Yeah, so when when you start to break down the budget, and um, it, it's very interesting uh, as you look across uh, the the budget for 2018. Um, so I mentioned transportation mm-hmm. earlier. Um, budget is 25 billion. Um, less than uh, 10% of that is factored into uh, transportation initiatives. Uh, uh, there's 125 million, I believe, for new infrastructure capital builds. Um, don't quote me on that exact mm. number. Uh, and then there are uh, further another nine percent in uh, low interest bonds that will go toward uh, infrastructure build initiatives. So, you know, from from my perspective, when you look at uh, the number of people moving to Atlanta over the next 15 years, I, I've heard a number of four four million folks. Um, how In addition can we, to the five or six who are already there. Exactly. How can we keep up with that growth when we're already at one of the highest accident rates? Uh, we, we have more fender benders than almost any state in the country. 
And you know, we're trying to entice uh, leading uh, employers such as Amazon mm-hmm. to come into our market. And one of the biggest hindrances to that is our uh, very poor infrastructure, not, not to mention the impact it has on our lives. And then when you start to factor in autonomous vehicles, you know, level four autonomous vehicles will probably have market saturation by 2035. Let's uh, back but, up. Level yes. four autonomous vehicles. What's that? Uh, it basically means that you can... Uh, sit in the vehicle and it will self-drive you. You may have to intervene it at some point in time, but it's it's almost there. And how far away are we from that? Uh, you'll see them on the road by 2021. It's five years, mm-hmm. four years, absolutely. Wow. And uh, that will require we have more intelligent highway uh, systems. Uh, you know, here's no my question about this: yes. somebody made that point the other day. So, well, if we just had autonomous buses, you know, and all these traffic issues would be going. I was, and I asked the question. I said. What difference does it make if the bus or the car or whatever it is, who's driving or isn't, if it's still on the road, it's still taking up space, what difference does it make whether I'm driving or a robot is? Yeah, and that, that's, a, that's a very valid point. Um, but what you'll see in the future is lanes dedicated to autonomous and people-driven vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, and the autonomous vehicles are going to need um, denser networks, 5G networks, to communicate with traffic lights and intelligent highway systems. They're going to be outputting four terabytes of, of data on a, on a daily basis. Um, and then that goes back to your question around data privacy. Um, who owns that data with, yeah. you know, in two years, 83% of data being stored in the cloud. But but back to your original um, question around where's this money going to come from, yeah. I think you have to get creative with it. I think the state, uh, as well as local development, economic development committees, uh, local state, um, excuse me, local government, they have to focus on uh, public-private partnerships. You see markets like Denver, uh, Columbus, Ohio uh, doing this. Denver... Uh, if I read correctly, they uh, de- they they built out 13 billion in infrastructure over the last several years. Half of that was funded through P3s. Uh, look at what Columbus did around smart city initiatives. Um, they went out. They won a smart city challenge. They got 40 uh, million in funding. They took that up to half billion dollars by building innovation around their city and encouraging businesses in the local community uh, to participate in that process. Um, but you know, you have to do it smart. And there's other um, there's some other things coming up, I believe, uh, in, in legislation um, in the 2018 session that will that will cut costs back. Uh, there's uh, there's talks that you know our rate of return in some of the uh, some of the bigger uh, investments that our state makes uh, TRCs the uh, teacher uh, benefits mm. right it's it's at a you know they're putting in more money a year over year and it's I, I believe I read that in 2018 there's uh, another close to 200 million that we're going to cost because we haven't structured in financial markets that are not bearing the right rate of return. Um, I think 7.2 percent was the mm-hmm. last I heard at the state level. So, you know, I think there are. But ways, that's that's yeah. kind of rolling the dice there, isn't it? I mean, okay, we're going to find it. We're going to find a better place to sink these dollars so they get a better rate of return. Well, the thing that I've learned about investments over the years, they don't always pan out. Uh, that's 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 exactly right. So you do assume some risk, um, but I also think if you offer more. Uh, 
options, uh, benefits uh, to leverage investments at the uh, you know at the educator, you know the teachers that are. Uh, that, that are paying into this, then um, you're also going to uh, have a, a positive impact on their uh, very high attrition rate in Georgia, too. Stephen Strickland, legislative candidate. Is this your first run for office? Uh, it is. How do you like it? Um, it's been an experience, um, but I, I've, I told myself going into it, um, I was going to run a, a positive campaign, and I was going to have fun. No dirt on Marcus Weedauer you want to pass out this morning? Well, he, he's, he's got me beat on uh, signs, that's for sure. <laughs> Gosh, uh, I, I was telling him the other day I, I had to go to, to Maine to find a sign guy. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, Marcus Weedauer, Tom Lord, uh, Stephen Strickland, all Republicans in this race, and Jonathan Wallace. We, we've had them, or we'll get them all in here between now and, uh, and, and election. I say that. I, I don't have subpoena power. I can't drag them in here. We'll extend the invitation. Uh, you're on the web where? electstrickland.com. 